HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, your host for all these years, Erica Wide. So happy new year and welcome back to Let's Get Real, broadcasting live from the newly renovated foodiness fallout shelter. Now, I totally wish that you guys could see how nice it looks in here. Jack and I were working on the fallout shelter like all throughout vacation and it looks so good we have all of our beloved vintage pyrex bowls that we've scored from the salvation army and the goodwill stacked like pinterest perfect on the shelves and the new recycled wool rug that we got that's hand woven by middle income new york city public school kindergartners as part of their work to learn program it's a new program that was started this year we have that spread on the floor it's it's amazing and the new floor, which we put in, which was made from wood that was salvaged from 100 rent-controlled apartments that were torn down this year to build the world's tallest luxury co-op building. How great is that? And it all looks freaking awesome in here now. And the Fallout Shelter twins, remember them? Lexi and Hampton, the twins. We haven't talked about them in a while. Well, they came home from work camp. I mean, sorry, progressive liberal boarding school for the holidays. And let me tell you, I was so happy to have those kids back home for a few weeks. I missed them so much. I love those kids because those tiny little hands of theirs are just perfect for installing our new artisanal tile backsplash in the shelter kitchen. I mean, we had like a million and a half tiny tiles that were made, actually not made, salvaged from the demolition of a 
beautiful marble floor in a century-old bank building that was torn down because they're putting in a new branch of a TD bank. But we got a million and a half of those tiny little pieces of marble, and no adult hands could have ever had the dexterity to install a million and a half centimeter-wide tiles. But those seven-year-olds with their tiny little digits. I mean, thank God for small blessings indeed. Am I right? Uh, My twin small blessings saved me so much money on labor. (laughs) I bought myself a really nice pair of boots. And, but don't worry because they'll, they'll retain, well, the the feeling in their fingertips will come back eventually. I mean, kids are resilient, right? Kids bounce back. So we freshened up the fallout shelter over the break, and now the twins are safely ensconced back at work camp. I mean, liberal progressive boarding school. And it's a new year here on Let's Get Real. A fresh, clean 2015. Hey, that could be our new motto. That's going to be the new motto for the show. Fresh and clean in 2015. Not that we weren't fresh and clean down here in the shelter before. I mean, well... Maybe not so clean, but cleanliness is totally overrated. I mean, with all the talk now and all the research about our gut biomes and our bodies just being mere, merely hosts to massive colonies of bacteria, and, and that, that bacteria and that biome actually being the key to our health, why would you want to wipe out those helpful guys by, like, washing them away or sanitizing them or using, I don't know, deodorant or shampoo or, you know, soap or detergent, right? So maybe the motto should be fresh and clean enough in 2015. Enough to be socially acceptable, but not enough that you're not still healthy. That's going to be our new motto. It's a little bit long to put on a baseball hat, but we'll use the kids' fingers to do the embroidery. Now, my house, my house, not here in the shelter. I have an actual house, and I have tiny bungalow. Wow, three places. My house is clean enough. Clean enough in 2015. And I'm very healthy. You know, I get the occasional cold, but seriously, for someone my age, I'm not on any medication. And I'm the only person my age I know who's not on any medication. Just saying. And that's probably why, because I'm not super clean. I always knew that Pigpen, remember Pigpen from Peanuts, who was always, you know, walking around in his cloud of dust? I always knew that he was on to something, kind of happily and obliviously walking just with that circulating whirl of dust around him. And, you know, now there's evidence that suggests that depression may actually be linked to your gut biome. Yep, that too is now potentially being linked to your gut biome. It kind of makes perfect sense to me because Pigpen was the personification of the happy pig in shit, right? Whereas Charlie Brown, who I'm sure was fastidious... He struck me as fastidious with that perfectly styled single hair of his and his permanently furrowed brow. Charlie Brown was a depressed, neurotic mess. And he was probably too clean. And Linus, too, may have been onto something. Linus, you know, had that kind of Buddhist-like peace and self-awareness about him. Linus seemed like his mental health was actually pretty stable. And he may have been onto something, too, because... He dragged that filthy blanket around him all the time, and it was actually probably teeming with bacteria and dust, and it must have acted almost like a natural inoculation for him. His own warm, fuzzy, probiotic security blanket. 
I have no other hygiene-based or other theories, by the way, about any other Peanuts characters like Lucy or Sally or Shermie, Shermie, Schroeder, Violet. Uh, none. Except for Peppermint Patty, who is my style icon. Yes, Peppermint Patty is who I do model my whole look after. Now, did you know that Peppermint Patty, you know she used to walk around in sandals, right? Remember that? All year round in sandals, which I would do too if it weren't freezing out and snowing. But did you know that her sandals were supposedly made for her by her father from sardine cans? Did you know that? Now, there's a woman after my own heart. I mean, comfortable shoes made from upcycled materials that contain sustainable fish. I heart Peppermint Patty. I love her. And I'm sure my own father in his cheap-ass ways would have done the same thing back when if he could have gotten away with sending me to school in recycled sardine can sandals, which he practically did, but that's another story. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more about Clean and Fresh 2015. Today's break song is called Don't Marry Mermaids by Mamarazzi. This is Let's Get Real. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Kane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Kane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Nice fade there, Jack. Very slick. Anyway, uh, welcome back to our first show of 2015. This is episode 118 of Let's Get Real. Can you believe it? 118 episodes. Really Each. 218. Really 217. 17, yeah. <laughs> there were 100-ish episodes of Why We Cook, my previous show. And now we're on to 118 of Let's Get Real. That's pretty impressive, I think. I write the show every week, you know, by hand with a stump of charcoal on birch bark. That's how I roll. Anyway, <clears throat> where was I? For Chrismica, which is what we celebrate in our blended family, Adam and I, my husband, drove down to Washington, D.C. to spend the holiday with my sister's family, Chrismica. Now, my sister and her husband and my niece, Soph, who I'm sure I've talked about here before, Soph, live in a very small two-bedroom apartment in Bethesda. And D.C.'s real estate market being what it is, like New York's, meaning that it's ridiculously overpriced and not designed for anybody with a normal life, that's what they could afford <clears throat> because they wanted to live near Soph's progressive liberal Waldorf school that she goes to. So they squeeze into their apartment two adults and a 15-year-old and Teddy, the dog. And... 
you know what? It's a tight squeeze, but you know what? It's really fine because, hell, for most of the world's population, it would be a luxury to have more than one room for an entire family. But here in the land of supersized and oversized and the McMansion, it seems crazy for two adults with three master's degrees between them to have to do that. But that's 21st century America, I guess. So anyway, we schlepped our aero bed in the car down there, which is what we do when we visit. We bring our own bed and we slept on their floor like we were all still college students and not four adults who are almost 50. And when I visit people outside of the city who have houses with guest rooms and eat-in kitchens and big closets, I feel like I'm at freaking Downton Abbey in comparison. But anyway, my sister calls me up a week or two before Christmas and says in her way, how about we make duck for Christmas dinner? Mm, yes, please. I love duck. And that's what we usually eat anyway. But what she's actually saying, what that actually translates to in sister speak, is how about you, meaning me, find us a couple of ducks, buy them, bring them down here, and do every single thing related to their preparation, cooking, and serving, along with all the side dishes and dessert. In their teeny tiny cluttered and messy apartment galley kitchen, which wasn't really designed for a family of three plus dog, but for like a single bachelor government employee or a budding lobbyist who eats takeout every night. But, of course, being the obliging and obedient younger sibling that I am, I said yes, I obliged because I wanted to eat duck too for Christmas and I was perfectly happy to buy them as my sister, you know, it was for the whole family. It was my gift. And my sister is very generous, too generous with buying all the other food and doesn't really have the money. But really what it comes down to is I can't bear to watch other people cook who don't really know what they're doing. So I offer to do it all the time. And besides, there's no room for anyone else in their kitchen. So I made the duck and the sides. Dessert was a pie that Soph, my niece, made, who's a very, very good baker, by the way. And we had a great Christmaca dinner, and we took a long walk around D.C. on Christmas Day, and a jolly time was had by all, and yum, I love duck so much. But what I want to talk about today is not what we ate for Christmaca or how clean or dirty mine or anyone's home is at all, but what I want to talk about is freshness. Remember, fresh and clean in 2015, our new motto from the first segment? Did you forget already? Yeah, me too. So anyway, I'm, on, I'm in line. I'm online. This is New York. We stand online. Everywhere else you stand in line. But here we stand online. I'm online at Costco on the morning of Christmas Eve. We stopped off at the Costco on our way to D.C. because it's on our way, literally, to D.C. And we had the car. So we stopped off as soon as they opened to get the ducks. Yes, my Costco in Brooklyn sells whole ducks. Really. They also sell whole lambs. Yeah, really, entire whole frozen lambs because it's Brooklyn. And there are several huge population groups here in Brooklyn, like Greeks and Latinos and Muslims, who like to cook a whole lamb in the backyard, which is totally cool. And I love that they sell whole lambs. They're just hanging there whole in the freezer, all wrapped up in fabric bags right next to the giant boxes of dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets and the frozen pre-made pancakes with built-in maple-flavored syrup pockets and the frozen low-fat turkey hot dog pigs in a blanket with new gluten-free crusts. Yeah, right there. Buy that stuff. Whole ducks and whole lambs. You just have to look for them. Now, of course, I can hear you all out there 
the chorus, like the Greek chorus out there saying to me, oh, or saying to yourselves, oh, I can't believe she's buying ducks at Costco. And not from a local farmer who sells them right from his or her pond and then straight to the farmer's market within 24 hours of slaughter. Doesn't she practice what she preaches? Pastured and all that shit? I mean, she works at Heritage Radio Network, part of Heritage Foods and everything. How could she eat Costco ducks? Okay, well, A, I don't plan ahead that much, so I couldn't get them from Heritage Foods, which was my own fault. But isn't that what you're saying right about now? Well, if you are, F you, because it's been a tight year, okay? And at least I'm eating a whole food product and cooking it myself. So there. And I buy my eggs and my milk and my chickens right from farmers. Um, well, mostly. And my apples and my greens. Yeah, mostly. And so stop judging me, okay? Judge not, lest ye be caught eating pre-grilled frozen chicken sandwiches in January, okay? At least I cook. Are frozen Costco ducks ideal? No, is fresh and local and heirloom and heritage better? Sure. Did I make a lot less money this year as a consultant and media superstar than I've made in the last uh, 10 years? Um, yeah. Hey, at least I cooked. So I'm online to pay at Costco. And this store being about as diverse a place, this store is in about as diverse a place as you can get on earth, except maybe now at the California DMV. <laughs> There's an older man behind me in full Muslim regalia, meaning the full length gown thing that they wear. I don't know what it's called. Sorry. It's like a nightgown with a puffy coat over him because it's cold and snowy and the long beard and the something on his head. And, you know, it was like Omar Sharif if he was shopping at Costco. I was going to say Lawrence of Arabia, but then I realized that Peter O'Toole played Lawrence of Arabia. He was Irish. It's just, I don't know. Anyway, like Omar Sharif. And he sees my two frozen ducks sitting there on the conveyor belt waiting to be paid for. And he looks at me and I look at him and he goes, ah, ducks. And I say, yeah, ducks for Christmas. Because I'm always a little afraid to say anything about being Jewish in front of a full-on Muslim, which is ridiculous and paranoid and crazy. But I'm still a little leery of even telling Germans that I'm Jewish, too. And I point to the halal symbol on the plastic shrink wrap on the ducks, and I say, look, halal, thinking it'll ingratiate me with him or something, and he won't, you know, pull a Costco suicide bomb fatwa on my people or something like that. And he says... I buy two, alive. Now, there's a live poultry market just a few blocks from that Costco that sells live poultry along with live rabbits and lambs and goats and ducks. And boy, does that place smell really good, especially on a hot summer day in Brooklyn. So I say, oh, on 27th Street? And he says, yes, live, more fresh, better. And I feel my brain like in that, that movie that's out now about the code breaker that I can never remember the name of, you know, that machine and all those little dials are like turning and clicking in a place to break the code, to win the war and defeat the Germans. I feel my brain starting to do that, to try to formulate the explanation to him that, yes, I get it about the live duck thing. I'm totally down. I'm a chef and I am 
so down with the live poultry market thing. And that's what I would do. But I'm going to my sister's and it's a long drive. And anyway, they'd be completely skeeved out if I bought freshly killed ducks, which is ridiculous because her husband grew up on a farm and that really, truly, I'd prefer the freshly killed. But you know what? It's been a really tight year and we're in a hurry. But I totally get and respect your food culture. But just this one time I'm buying them here. But I stopped my brain from doing this because he's shopping at Costco, too. And he has a giant shopping cart full of cinnamon toast crunch and toilet paper and sunny delight. So who's he to judge, right? And when I even begin to start to formulate my response, he just says, live, yes, better, fresh. And I realize that his English vocabulary is somewhat limited. And so I just smile, my tolerant liberal smile, and turn away and pay for my ducks and use the Costco industrial-sized bathroom and hit the road. And the ducks sit on the floor in the back, thawing slowly and quietly as we make our way south. And we make it to D.C. in record time, and we go out for a movie and eat Korean food on Christmas Eve, like all good Jews. And then we have our delicious, now fully thawed and fully cooked duckies for Christmas dinner. Yeah, live, fresh, better. I know. But frozen is okay, too. We're going to take another break. We'll be right back. This one's called Sabobo, also by Mamarazzi. Let's get real. The cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz. Oh, guess what? I'm on Instagram. I know. I'm a little behind the curve. But I'm on. Let's get real show. That's my Instagram handle. I'm also on Twitter. You know that. And you can find us on Facebook, too. I finally got the whole Instagram thing down. And so what did I do? I took a lot of pictures of my niece in Washington. So if you want to see what she looks like, go to Let's Get Real Show. has nothing to do with the show. But I am on Instagram now. So anyway, the new year, 2015, the new year, it's supposed to be about making a new fresh start, right? Making resolutions and all that. Starting fresh, clean slate, blank page, etc. So how about starting fresh with our food? Freshness is foodiness's nemesis. Or maybe foodiness is freshness's nemesis. I don't know. It's the antithesis of fresh. It's anti fresh. If food is turned into foodiness, then it's not fresh anymore. It's barely even food anymore. Food needs life in it, some sort of life in it, like Linus's blanket or Pigpen's cloud. It needs some lurking microorganisms, some bacteria, some live cells, some microbes, some yeast, something still alive. Foodiness is the demon child offspring of fresh and fake. If a fresh strawberry and a strawberry Pop-Tart got together and somehow managed to procreate, their offspring would be foodiness. Like an organic, strawberry, gluten-free, flaxseed protein bar. That's not fresh at all. But it's not quite totally fake either. 
That's what foodiness is. Just in case you've forgotten, this is our little foodiness refresher course to start off the year. Because foodiness is the whole foundational underpinning and point of let's get real. I just sometimes take a long time getting back around to that point with all my fascinating stories. But I do get to the point eventually. Because sometimes you need to hear a long-winded story about Costco and Charlie Brown first, right? So this year, I think everyone's resolution, including mine, should be about taking a fresh look at your food, doing a reevaluation, restocking, literally a restocking, throw out your old spices, perhaps throw away that 12 year old bottle of beer in the back of your fridge that you thought you drink, but you never would start fresh, clean things out. It's good to clean out your fridge once in a while. Trust me. I have things back in there that date back to before I started teaching in 1998. Taking a fresh look at your food and at your food ways. I mean, well, now maybe not me because I'm pretty much foodiness free and I'm okay with my occasional frozen duck or chicken from Costco. At least it's whole. And sometimes I think that at least whole is better than nothing. Frozen is second best to fresh. Jack was actually just telling me he was arguing with his father about this this week about broccoli frozen versus fresh. Sometimes frozen can be better. In some cases, with vegetables, frozen is better. I did a whole show about this a while ago. Frozen whole organic chicken from Costco will always be a better choice than frozen, flavored, seasoned, pre-fried, processed buffalo chicken bites, which I had to eat at a certain relative's house over a certain end-of-the-year holiday this year. Always better. No argument. No discussion. But when it comes to fresh, there's no fresh-picked foodiness. It is, by its very nature, preserved, embalmed, dead. Foodiness is dead food. And no food should be dead. Well, except like live things that you're eating, like animals and fish. They should be dead. You don't want to eat them alive. I mean, you know, to cook them. I mean, it's mean if you cook them. Well, they're still alive. Even I kill lobsters before I stick them in a pot of boiling water. I plunge a knife into the back of their head, which is the humane way to kill them before you put them in the pot of boiling water. Except, actually, clams and mussels, which you really don't want to eat at all if they're dead before you cook them. Because if you do that, you'll wind up dead after you eat them. And then what purpose would that serve except to lighten the planet's carbon footprint by two people, which might be good. But mollusks and everything else we eat should still have some life to it some life force some living breathing something or other to it whether it's bacteria or live cells or yeast or molds or enzymes just don't eat dead food live fresh better i buy ducks a food freshness resolution actually seems pretty doable much more than like resolving to lose 50 pounds or to be a nicer person Ugh, or make more money, oh, maybe definitely more enjoyable and more likely to succeed than those resolutions to get in shape or to work out more, which seems to be the most common resolution. Now, I salute those people, by the way, who resolve to work out more because I work out a lot. As you know, I talk about it. And those of us who are gym regulars, we dread the gym this week because all the resolutionaries, you like that? The resolutionaries fill up the place, taking up all the good spots in boot camp class and crowding the locker room with their good intentions, looking for a fresh start. But you know what? Along with my freshness resolution, I'm going to have a new attitude this year. And I'm going to salute the intentions of the resolutionaries instead of raging 
at their awkward, clumsy space-taking instead. It's okay, because they'll be gone by Valentine's Day anyway, and you'll still find me there, though, plugging away, lifting my weights, doing my squats, burping my burpees, going home and cooking my frozen ducks. And speaking of freshness, part of my plan last year to dechemicalize my life, which was a big part of my plan for last year, was to stop using antiperspirant, as I don't want those chemicals on my skin anymore. So you'll totally be able to find me at the gym before you even see me, because you can just follow your nose, right? It's the best way to determine freshness, huh? By smell? Well, I'm the freshest thing around these days at my gym. (laughs) Sorry, but live, fresh is better, right? And we're just about out of time. So... Thanks for listening to episode 118 of Let's Get Real. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram at Let's Get Real Show, on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. Find us on Facebook. Thanks to Ben Kaplan for writing my awesome theme music all those years ago, even though you moved to California and I never see you anymore. It's cool. I'll visit you. Thanks to Jack in the control room, and thanks for listening to the first episode of 2015. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.